Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue, a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. My name is David Rudy, and I'm the pastor at Doxa Church. Tonight, I have a couple familiar fan favorite voices at the table with me. We have Becca Sen. Hey, everybody. And Steve Moss. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this freezing evening in Spartanburg. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's so cold Finally tonight. <laughs> yeah, it was It was like a balmy, nice, hot and sweaty fall yes, until like really two was. days ago. But yeah. everyone that's been putting up their Christmas trees already is oh, yeah. vindicated because it is now Christmas weather. So that is true. That's why the cold weather came. It's all the Christmas <laughs> yeah, trees. It's right? all the trees. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking of Christmas, uh, it's the time when a lot of companies go into the black and it's a time where a lot of people uh, max out their credit cards it's a time when people uh, you know just get really stressed out about finances and and we decided that with everything going on in the world this would be a perfect time to talk about biblical stewardship of your finances and I know I hear a collective like groan out there <laughs> from people like no don't talk about money Not I can't take it to the conversation <laughs> hey Steve can you tell us one reason why we should talk about money? I mean, I know you know a lot of reasons why we should. Do you have one reason why we should talk about money? Well, just speak to anybody. End of the month, if you've got no money to pay the rent, uh, it becomes an issue, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Kind of need it to live, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and Jesus talked about money more than any anyone else in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. So we can't say it's, it's not a topic that we need to address. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing our hearts, we all need to hear some truth David, on you stole this. one of my points there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert. All right. Well, without any further ado, we'll go ahead and get right into it. All right. Okay, so this, this is a huge topic. and um, It is. To, to cover it in eight minutes or half an hour even is, is really not possible. <laughs> so this is like, I don't know, not even the 30,000-foot view. This is like the 60,000, 100,000-foot view. <laughs> um, we'll but, take it. Yeah. But anyway, um, it is true. Um, biblical finances or the stewardship of finances is a really key subject um, in the New Testament. And it's really important that we as believers get a good handle on that. Um, it does reveal a lot about the, the condition of our hearts. Mm. And so I think in the 21st century, this is probably a topic that is more relevant than ever before. It is interesting, as David has alluded to, that Jesus spoke on the subject of finances and money and wealth probably more than any other subject. And mm-hmm. kind of if you look at human nature around us, you can understand why. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's something really close to most people's hearts. Um, but Jesus said this. He said, you cannot serve both God and mammon or money. It's Luke 16, verse 13. Mm-hmm. And Jesus never ever compared um, God to any other kind of master except mammon. It's interesting, eh? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. when, you, when you give, Jesus says this, don't even let your left hand know what the right hand is doing. Give anonymously. In other words, the Father sees what's done in secret. He, he looks at the intent of the heart. Mm-hmm. Jesus said to the rich young ruler, one thing you lack. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. See, mm. Jesus knows mm. what the thing is that makes us tick, you know. Mm. What's got the hook in our heart? Does mm. God have the hook or do finances have the hook? Mm-hmm. Um, in other places it says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. 
Mm. And so Jesus often would take strategic position in the synagogue and he'd sit watching um, how the guys would give. And it impressed him that a woman who gave only two mites gave more, according to Jesus, than all the other people that were there. I love that story. Yeah. It's awesome, man. So, you know, it's it's not how much you give. It's the attitude and the heart that you Mm -hmm. give with. So, So Jesus' teachings in the New Testament go way beyond the requirements of the Mosaic law. And you can see that when he teaches on subjects like adultery, um, you know, Jesus says things like, you know, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. Mm. And that's like, wow, you know, that's just a whole notch higher than what you see in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Then he says in another place, you know, if you say rucker, you fool, you idiot, or you're angry with your brother, you're in danger of hellfire. And I'm thinking like, Oh, God. <laughs> okay, like, <laughs> there's something about the New Testament believer Real that is rage. radically different from Old Testament, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so it's no different when it comes to finances. Um, so when it comes to a biblical teaching on finances, the New Testament really does go um, much deeper than the requirement of the law. Um, it has much to do with who we trust truly and in the nature of the generosity that is in our hearts. So mm. the Apostle Paul really gives a good teaching on this, and I'm not going to read it tonight, but if you go check out 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses mm. 1 to 15, he covers a whole like, um, um, subject list there of you know the generosity, you know the Lord loves a, joyful, a cheerful giver. Mm-hmm. Um, he gives both bread and seed, so God doesn't expect us to give our bread away, but he gives seed to the sower. It's like, what does that mean? Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> so God kind of knows who the sowers really are, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. That's a great point. Yeah. So some people confuse bread and seed, but anyway, it's another subject. (laughs) (laughs) They do, actually. That's a good subject. (laughs) So we we do see in the New Testament there is a pattern um, in the the early New Testament, like um, Book of Acts, Chapter 2, Chapter 3, etc., that people had the practice of bringing – their gifts and the offerings and, I mean, people even sold land and houses and they brought them to the apostles' feet, to the leaders in the church. Mm. And they were distributed from that point to all those that had need in the church. And so we see that there's a there's a biblical principle of, you know, we don't just give in a sense to who we think is a good idea to give to, but we bring it um, into the body and we bring mm. it to the leaders of the church so that mm-hmm. it is distributed in a in a way which which makes sense within the context of the church. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's really a key thing is like, you know, are yeah. we willing to trust people and submit our finances in that mm-hmm. way um, mm-hmm. as a body? Yeah. yeah I have to say, Steve, too, I, it's amazing that in our church we have people that do that exact same thing. Like, Julie, Julie got a text just this last weekend from somebody in the church and just said, Hey, do you know of anybody in the church that, that has some financial needs right now? Mm, Um, I'd like to give to the love one another fund. And we're like, absolutely. We do. It's not the, it's not the first time that's happened. You know, we've we've had a number of people do that. So they're just following. They're probably reading that in scripture and and the Lord is, is convicting them. The Holy Spirit's leading them to do that. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's evidence that you know the New Testament church is alive and well. Yes. <laughs> um, so we also see that there are some responsibilities in the church. Um, if you check out one Timothy chapter five verse seventeen, it says those who lead and teach in the church are worthy of respect. Um, and, and they should be well paid. You know, mm. The old language kind of says they're worthy of double honor, I believe it mm-hmm. says. Right. 
And so, so there are responsibilities um, for how we steward our finances um, within the New Testament church. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the subjects I think I'd like to tackle tonight, just because I've seen it abused so much in Africa, is the whole subject of the tithe. Mm. And so I'm going to kind of give you a, an Old Testament overview of um, what the Bible actually says concerning the tithe and how different that is from what we often um, see people teaching um, in the church. And so the reason for doing that is I believe the tithe is one of those areas that is the most manipulated idea in the Bible mm. and kind of introduces wrong motives. You know, mm. we, yeah. we teach, you know, mm-hmm. salvation is um, by faith. You know, you confess your sins, you come mm-hmm. to the Lord and he's faithful and just to forgive you. There's a righteousness that's imputed that you can never earn. Um, but when it comes to finances, we've got to follow the formula. Otherwise, you know, can he be blessed? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's right. like we love to turn things into religious formulas, mm. don't we? Like yeah. we just have that knack. That sense it really, be. there is a lot of abuse to yeah. like. I can get a checkbox out, my pen, and yeah. all right. Ticket, I've seen I, that one before. Took care of that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you so can almost true. excuse away all the other responsibilities God yeah. gives you to mm-hmm. even do things like witness and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, spend your time investing in other people because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I could just write a check for that. And I gave my tithe, so yeah. I think I it's so it. easy for people to give to get. You know, well, God will bless me if I yeah. do this, and then that you know transactional so, nature. So, so, so I think people, of, well, maybe they do it intentionally. I don't know, but it's, mm-hmm. it's actually a manipulation of God. It's like, right? Now I'll use God's principles so that He can mm-hmm. bless me, but the idea behind it is actually selfish. It's about yeah. me. It's not about how much I can bless somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you know, when we look at the the tithe in the, the Old Testament, there are actually very few verses that refer to the tithe. In, in fact, most guys kind of confuse um, first fruits offering uh, with a tithe, or you know, mm-hmm. a Thanksgiving offering, or um, mm-hmm. you know, these kind of um, offerings which are mentioned in the Old Testament. But the first time we see the tithe is actually with Abraham, and um, it's in Genesis. You can check it out for yourself, Genesis chapter twenty-eight. Everyone knows the story well. It's before Abram got his new name um, and his his nephew Lot is actually staying in Sodom. And um, in the area, there's the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and three other kings. And um, they were part of like this alliance where they were submitted to another king um, and they decided to rebel one of the years. And anyway, so these four kings come and do war against the five kings, which included Sodom and Gomorrah. And these four kings are victorious. They carry off the spoils, including Lot and his possessions. And so, so Abraham responds. You know, he he um, goes after these five kings. And it's, I find it really interesting in the word that he says he had 318 trained men. <laughs> and um, so he has this Bedouin farmer um, who goes and takes out five kings. That's amazing. Um, she's like, wow, yeah, I mean, this, is a, this is a big God. You know, favor is really with Abraham. Yeah. But then that creates a problem because Abraham comes back with the spoils of war and um, he won't take the spoils of war, which he was entitled to, from the king of um, Sodom because he says, lest you say you made me rich. Because he knows God makes him rich. Mm. Um, and in that time, like, I mean, if you could take out five kings, <laughs> you were someone you could reckon with. So mm. everybody's looking to say, Abraham's not a king, but who is his allegiance to? Mm. And so, so Abraham chooses. And, he, you know, in those days there was a Babylonian system. You would take a tenth of um, whatever you um, had and you paid as a tribute to whoever was your king. Mm. And he chooses Melchizedek. And mm. Melchizedek brings out bread and wine. 
Sound familiar? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, 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 so there's actually a link between the tithe and communion. So I'm just pointing it out right in the beginning. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that is so ha- cool. Yeah, this is cool, eh? Yeah, I've never heard someone explain that story in that way, and I yeah. love it. That's so helpful, Steve. Mm. Yeah. And you, you, the next time we pick it up in the Old Testament is actually with Jacob. So Jacob, um, you all remember he had this dream when he's running away from his um, his brother Esau. He's stolen the birthright, and so he's got to run for his life. And he sleeps in a place called, um, which he later named Bethel, which means house of God. Mm. Um, but at that time, he actually makes a vow. He says, you know, Lord, if you'll bless me, um, I'll take a tenth of everything I get. And I'll pay it back to you. So, mm. so he's essentially saying, you know, the same king of my grandfather, Abraham, is the same king I'm going to serve. Mm. And mm. so, you know, he's paying tribute. He's, he's, he's mm. saying, I'm going to take a tenth of, of what I have and give it to, to God. And in a sense, that is the foundation for the tithe that we see for the people of Israel because the mm. father of the people of Israel made a covenant, in a sense, with God. He took a vow. Mm. And so we see that spelled out in, in Numbers 18. You know, how do you actually... Give a tenth. What does that look like? And then in Deuteronomy 12, verse 17, it talks about how you actually enjoy the tithe. And it's mm-hmm. kind of very different from what we see in churches today because <laughs> you had to take a tenth of everything that God had given you in the year and you had to go consume it in the place where God had put his presence. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I'm thinking I've got a thousand sheep. So my family... My friends, we've got to eat 100 sheep. Now, that's a tenth, right? <laughs> so, so this is an extended celebration of the goodness of God. Hmm. And um, you were commanded that you could not eat it in the village. You had to eat it in the place where God had placed his presence. Hmm. And then in the third year, you were to take the tithe and put it in the, at the gates of the, the village or the city. And that would be for the Levite would be for the foreigner who lives among you. It would be for the widow and for the orphan. And so every third year, people would get to enjoy a bounty which was from God because they were declaring our God. Mm. This is the tar that declares who our king is. Mm. And uh, doesn't it sound interesting? In the third year, provision was made. Yeah. Somebody else ministered for three years <laughs> and then he brought out bread and wine. Mm. In a very prophetic yeah. picture. Mm. Okay. So many so, of those so many times. Reflection, mm. yeah. reflections. And we, we only see it two more times in the, the New Testament, Nehemiah, um, which is really the story of rebuilding um, what was mm. lost. Mm-hmm. And we see that tithe comes kind of back in again in Nehemiah 13. And the one which you uh, most people kind of quote when they're trying to motivate, motivate the tithe is Malachi 3, verse 10. And really, if you read the context of Malachi, it's like um, a people that have gone adrift. You know, they, mm-hmm. they're paying lip service to God. They're, they aren't doing things the way God called them to do it. And so mm-hmm. the tithe is included um, as one of the things which the people weren't doing. They weren't bringing the tenth to the temple um, and declaring, God is our king. You know? mm-hmm. And so, so the Lord actually says, test me in this. You know, if you, you make me your king, you're going to be blessed. You know? Yeah. That's kind of hard work. <laughs> I love that. that. That's one where he was saying that they're stealing from God, right? Yeah. 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 Because yeah. they didn't give back what yeah. what was his yeah. that, he, that he had entrusted to them. So, yeah. so the interesting question is like, well, does the plow, tithe apply to the New Testament church? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have an interesting um, picture here, which maybe you'll buy into or don't, not buy into. But it, <laughs> hey, says, it, hit says, us with it. it says we died with him. <laughs> We were buried with him and we rose again. So mm-hmm. in a sense, we've died to everything that we thought we owned. You know, mm-hmm. We are resurrected in Christ. In yeah. fact, everything we have belongs to him, including right. our finances. Right. Um, and so, so in a sense, um, 
the way we steward finances demonstrates what kind of citizen we are in the, the kingdom mm-hmm. of heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, this, this is a saying I, I say to quite a lot of guys um, that when we speak about finance, I say, do you really think that you own the thing that is in your house? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd say, you know, the day you die, are you able to take it with you? Mm-hmm. And everybody says, no, of course not. Mm-hmm. Well, then you don't really own it because you can't take it into the afterlife, right? It didn't right. really belong to you. Mm-hmm. You were just a steward. Mm. Right. So, it's, you know, it's just a reality check. Um, the way that we handle finances um, is a really a good litmus test of who's our faith in. Mm-hmm. Is it in what money secures or is it in the living God who provided everything in the first place? Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, and just like... You know, you were pointing out at the beginning there of how Jesus raised the bar in a lot of these areas in the New Testament Mm -hmm. um, when he was talking about the law and like how now, you know, he's pointing it to the heart. Mm -hmm. It's not like we have less than 10% to give now. Like there's, there's Mm -hmm. not really a number on it. It's, it's Mm -hmm. really about, Mm -hmm. you know, where, where your, where your reflection is and where your Mm -hmm. heartbeat is and your passion is and what you can do for others through the money that God has entrusted. Absolutely. It's really a good starting point, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, and I think that's probably one of the dangers of the tithe. that it almost sets like a ceiling on how much people give Mm -hmm. as opposed Mm -hmm. to, well, you know, that's, we're in the new covenant. It's like so much better than the old. (laughs) So even in our giving, we we ought to exceed the 10th way, way more generously. So, so don't put a limit on it. It's just, Hey God, what do you want to do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thanks Steve. That's so good. such a good lead-in, Steve, and I know for me, I've been just convicted even lately on giving and how I think about money, how I think about possessions. I think it's crazy because we live in literally the most prosperous age, time, country you Mm -hmm. can imagine, and there's just it's it's so sad to me that I even struggle with that at times, you know, <laughs> but but I do I have to check my heart. I have to keep bringing it back to God. And so this was a really good thing for me to think about going into this season, too. Um, so when we're talking about stewardship, I think it really can encompass a lot. But I do just instantly go to you know, how easily materialism can really creep in. And just like you were saying, it's such a trust factor. It so goes back to, Mm -hmm. am I putting my faith and trust in the Lord to take care of me? Um, But this, you know, this materialism is so pervasive in our culture. And I just think we can't steward what we think is all ours. And we can't release our grip on something when it's an idol like that. So I think we have to start at that heart level of, of releasing that idol in our lives. And, um, we're told so often in scripture to be careful of the love of money. You know, Mm -hmm. it's that root Mm -hmm. love. And one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is actually Hebrews 13, five. 
And my life group girls, I'll give a shout out to you. They're <laughs> going to know this one. We talk about this a lot. But I love this verse. Um, I'll read it for you. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I just love that God combats the gimme gimmies <laughs> with, yeah. hey, I'm here. I'm with you. You can be content. You mm-hmm. have me. Mm-hmm. And that is actually a promise mm-hmm. to us that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And that's one of the strongest promises in the entire Bible. If you look at the Greek language, it is literally saying fivefold. Mm-hmm. It's saying, I will never, never leave you. I will not, I will not, I will not forsake you. Yeah. And that same word forsake is the one that Jesus used on the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so in essence, Jesus, God, God forsook Jesus. So he'd never have to forsake me. And that is such an incredible promise. And he literally says that after saying, don't love money. (laughs) I've got you. (laughs) It's not crazy. Yeah. I think that one word contentment is key. You know, that's probably the Mm -hmm. measure. If you don't have the stuff, are you still content? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And like Paul says, you know, <laughs> whether I want or or yeah. have plenty, I'm I'm gonna be content. But yes. I love that, you know, the reality is that if God is always with me, he loves me that much, you know, how can I not believe that he's gonna take care of my needs? You know, I can live in freedom <laughs> and I can tell you, I really can tell you, I say this to people a lot, if you don't give now when you think you don't have anything to give, you won't later when you get the bigger paycheck or you just won't. And I know for me, for me and Ben, we've had times in our lives where we really have been kind of on the edge of having nothing or losing it all. And again, that's a, that's an America. So really ultimately we were still fine, (laughs) but you know, I've been in those places and said, you know what? We're still we're still going to just put our faith and trust in the Lord. We're still going to tithe. We're still going to give. Mm-hmm. And God has always, always taking care of us. He's used people yeah. in our church. He's used, it's just, it's crazy. Um, so I know that he'll take care of me. Um, and it's really about that. Like stewardship is about freedom. It's about placing things in their rightful place. God above it all. Um, he, he will take care of me. So I have the freedom to be wise. I have the freedom to say no to myself. I have the freedom to be giving. Um, so I wanted to think through just a few practical takeaways, um, when it comes to stewardship. And I know for me in my life, one thing is just planning. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually find I'm a better steward when I take those practical action steps. So I am all about budgeting. I love budgets. (laughs) I (laughs) used to work for an accountant who got me hooked on um, Excel. (laughs) So I use Excel spreadsheets for, for our, you know, tracking and um, spreadsheets. Yeah. (laughs) It's so nerdy, but I love it. It's, It's actually kind of fun. And I'm hopefully I'm not miserly with it, but I really do try to like track, what we're doing in budget really well. The only thing I remember about Excel from college was having that in a class, a computer class in college and barely eking out a C minus (laughs) because I could not, did not pay attention to all the 
whatever formulas. It's, and it's, I thought, oh yeah, I got this. And then, yeah, yeah. So I, I applaud you. Like I'm glad you. Well, it's know all that. it's all Paul, my boss. But um, <laughs> but I will say, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here, but I, I think for for our household. I am the details person, so I'm the one that tracks it. We we set the budget together. <laughs> it's not like me being in charge of everything. Ben Ben is the leader of our home, <laughs> but I want to you know make sure we're Thanks clear for on that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, we'll agree on a budget, and then I'm the detail person. That You're the executioner of the budget. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> but I've really learned though to to love it because it it frees us, and um, and you know. I think it's funny because I think when you are able to budget and and live on your budget, um, you actually can live on a lot less than you think you can. <laughs> I know there's been times yeah. in life where like, wow, we live really well on on what we're making. It's really not that much, but you know, it's just some planning and some yeah. some effort that goes in. So, um, so what you're saying is everybody who's not tithing right now could stop eating out like a couple times. You a week. could, and, and you they, could and do you it. Could find some. You something. could not go to Starbucks every day. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things. I had you to can just do. throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. there really are. But um, you know, for us, we want to be able to have room too to give when we see a need. Yeah. Um, you yeah. want to save for emergencies. You you want to think towards the future and. And, you know, there's a lot of just principles and stewardship with that. And there's a lot of good tools out there. Um, there's really no excuse, I, I don't think, for anyone nowadays to not be able to do well with this. Because there's there's apps. There's mm-hmm. I know some people love the budgeting app. I think it's You Need a Budget. I've heard really good things about that one. Um, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, actually a great thing to go through. Dave Ramsey gets some flack sometimes, but honestly, he's helped a lot of people. Um, And I know for me, even just that a lot of people knock the cash method thing because, you know, you kind of need to use a credit card to get credit built. But at the same time, I know for me, if you're just starting out and you're trying to learn to budget, mm-hmm. sometimes just having that yeah. dollar in your hand, it makes you do it rather than swiping. So if you're in a bind and you're really struggling with budgeting and, and keeping it, maybe try the cash method because mm-hmm. it'll help you, you know, learn that. So anyway, all that to say, there's so many tools. Um, there's no reason why all of us can't implement stewardship well. So I just want to throw that out there. You know, if you're in our church, you're someone that you feel like you just need some help with this, please reach out to someone. We have Mm -hmm. wise, great people in our church that are good at this stuff. And I think, Mm -hmm. um, I actually think it's funny because money is something that you kind of alluded to this, Steve, like Americans hate to talk about money. It's really interesting. (laughs) I think it's bad. I actually think it's not healthy that we're not able to talk about this. I was actually at Chicken Salad Chick the other day for lunch, and there was a sign on the door that said, um, Southern women are allowed to enjoy two things but never talk about them, money and mayonnaise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's like but, that's like women in general who always get their calculators to split up the bill when when the guys are always just like oh y'all just throw in a 20 here yes. like that's that's something i've always noticed <laughs> it's an interesting observation <laughs> <laughs> but um but all that to say i know for for me and ben we've actually seen some couples really really turn their lives around 
um, when they get their budgeting, their spending and things like that under control. Mm. And that is one of the biggest stressors in marriages too. So Mm. it really can be a big, a big thing. But, um, I really do believe that tithing is a huge aspect of faith and trust in that. Um, it, it should be a part of every person's budget. So just put that in there, you know, before you, uh, spend money on all your other bills. Like that's probably tithe is one of the first ones that goes out every month. I know. Cause it's, it's just easy to maybe forget about it or, or mm-hmm. whatever if you don't. So, um, that's just make it the first fruits instead of the yeah. right, right. <laughs> but for real, take the step of faith and watch how God will multiply because He will. Like my mom always says, you cannot outgive God, yeah. and it is mm-hmm. so so That's true. true. Yeah. Um, but the bottom line really is just that stewardship is a must for a believer. You know, we we do have a God who cares about how we live our lives. He's given us so much. Um, I love the saying, he ain't broke and he ain't stingy because he isn't. (laughs) Um, And he knows what we need. He promises to provide. So I just think it'd be cool if we, if we as docs, a church, we just live like we believe that, you know, Um, and really live in a way that we steward well what God's given us and we encourage each other in this direction. Um, I know for me too, I've, I've seen just recently, my uh, sister-in-law wouldn't mind if I give you this shout out. She got really serious about um, making and sticking to a budget recently. They had some, he's a small business owner. They had some debts in that way. Um, good, good debts. And they've been trying to work on that for a long time and it was just getting really discouraging. And she was like, Hey, can you just teach me how to like do the Excel thing that you do? Like, like, can you just like sit down with me? And so we did it for like an hour and literally she is amazing. She took it. She ran with it. She showed me her spreadsheet recently and literally it was crazy. It was way more advanced than anything I ever showed her. And they are now out of debt. They are doing super well. They are living in freedom and just enjoying it. And Mm -hmm. it's just really cool to see that happen. And again, that wasn't because of, you know, me or something I did for her. It's just, she got serious about the principle and they got serious about tithing. And that was actually the first thing that she did was she said, okay, um, in this budget, I'm going to tithe. I'm going to make sure we're tithing every time. And God has just blessed them. They're doing so well. So shout out to my sister-in-law. You know who you are. Um, and just really cool example there. So great stuff, Becca. Thank you. Well, I don't know what else there is left to say after all of that. This has been great stuff. Thank you so much, Steve and Becca. So one of the passages that I wanted to draw from tonight was Luke 19. And Luke 19, I actually I actually preached a sermon on this. Um, it was like the week before we launched our church. It was it was it was like just to the core team of people that's that were starting our church. And and I, and I titled this, and this is a parable of Jesus with, with the 10 minutes. Um, and I call this your real job, you know, our real job, no matter what your job is right now, um, 
is truly to build the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Engage in business until he returns. Because that's what this parable is telling us about. And, right. and this is the crux of biblical stewardship. We're not going to understand and really follow biblical stewardship with our finances until we really truly believe that our number one job isn't to build our portfolio, to build mm-hmm. barns and bigger barns and have peace in mind and retire at the age of 57. Mm-hmm. And like, no, like that's all that American dream is not going to satisfy a person who has eternity in their hearts. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to. So when you go through this parable and, you know, I'm not going to read it's it's verses 11 through 27. I'm not going to read the whole thing today and preach the whole sermon. I'm not going to do that. I want to really just focus on one aspect of it. But the first part where you start this verses 11 through 14, and you, you see that life is not about you. It's about Jesus. So, so we are living, we are to live for him, right. not ourselves. That's right. where it starts. And then verses 15 through 19, I'll just read these. Um, when he returned, this is this is speaking of the king in the parable who is obviously picturing Jesus Christ. So when he returns, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your minute has made 10 minutes more. And he said to him, well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And a second came to him, saying, Lord, your minute has made five minutes. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. And then another said and came to him, Lord, here is your minute, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you were a severe man, and you take what you do not deposit and reap what you do not sow. And Jesus, well, the parable is the king, but he said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the minute from him and give it to the one who has 10 minutes. And they said to him, Lord, he has 10 minutes. I tell you that to everyone who has more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies, enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. So we see here there are no excuses. I mean, there's a lot of things we could see here. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could really go well into this. We'll save that for another time. Mm-hmm. But there are no excuses not to do something. And and God is going to bless. He is going to give more to the people who actually are doing something with what he's giving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, right. that's true. He's he's the peop- the person who's done done nothing. God does not mm-hmm. continue to give them more, more for them to squander it and to do nothing with it. Mm-hmm. So, and you also see the stakes don't get any higher there in verse twenty-seven. We're talking about, we're talking about eternity here. We're talking about life and death. Um, so that is our real job in engaging in business. And the one part of this that I want to really um, kind of take a little side rabbit trail on, because as I said, y'all, y'all have done an amazing job of really laying the groundwork of what this is all about and what the Bible has to say about it. One thing we haven't necessarily touched on is the whole principle of rewards. Mm -hmm. So we do see rewards in heaven and in Jesus, in this parable um, and in other places, he clearly Mm -hmm. gives us an example and a motivation of Mm -hmm. rewards. Um, And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but it's, it's really not very easy to talk about re- or earning rewards in heaven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said that messed 
but it's not really very easy to talk about earning rewards for heaven. It's mm-hmm. kind of awkward, right? Like, <laughs> like um, I'm one, what? That's not one of those go-tos that pastors always talk about. Like, <laughs> hey, give and you'll be given back rewards in heaven. Like, I mean, we see this, but we kind of get uneasy about it uh, because there's an ugly, nasty side of religion that says you perform and achieve this for God and he will bless you with your life. We've seen the abuse of that. Mm-hmm, right. you, you see the yucky side of that. But that's not the heart of Christianity. A relationship with God is a relationship of mercy and grace. We can't do anything to please God on our own. And we certainly aren't banking on our own performance. Thank God for that. (laughs) So I think you can all see the dilemma here. Um, And the last thing I want to do at the end of this amazing podcast where we've talked about finances is is give you a charge to go out there and just work harder so you can (laughs) give more rewards in heaven and and strap another burden on your back. Um, Engaging in business doesn't mean that you're supposed to work, you know, six, 12 hour days. We we aren't talking about killing our bodies and forsaking the rhythms and the example that God showed us to rest and thrive and flourish. That's not the message. The truth is everything good that we do have comes through the grace and strength of Jesus. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So you don't want to live for Jesus to earn rewards. That's, That's not right. You want to live for Jesus because you see that he loves you. And you love him because he loves you. Mm -hmm. Because he's done so much for you, you just want to tell others. And because he's changed you and saved you, you want to live for him and engage in business until he returns. So the Bible does teach us that we're to store up treasure in heaven. And it's not um, just like everyone's going to get a participation trophy. We're not talking about that, (laughs) that kind of an award either. There's actual awards dished out based on the level and the glory that we brought God with our lives. And we also see in Revelation where we'll be casting those crowns back Mm -hmm. at our Savior's feet because we're going to realize it was all him Mm -hmm. that made it happen anyway. But the point is God gives us this as a motivation. So how can we work through this? How can we actually make sense Mm -hmm. of rewards in heaven? I would love to hear what y'all think about this too, but this is just kind of an illustration that I have that's helped me as I've wrestled through it myself just think of something that you enjoy doing, okay? Um, everybody think of something, got it in your head, something that you really enjoy doing. For me, I love playing with my two sons. You know, I, I, I came in here to do the podcast tonight. I was talking with Doug and Steve, and, and then they're like, how's, how's your evening going? Well, I was fun. I just wrestled with my boys. We, <laughs> you know, we had the pillows out in the living room, and I, I mean, I love doing all that stuff with my boys. Like, Beckham and Paxton will be, you know, ride bikes or, or do whatever, I do it because it intrinsically brings me joy. At the same time, I know that the more time I spend with them, the more I love them, the better their life will be in the end. The better father I am to them, the more chances they are going to have to be young men who grow up with character and aspire Mm -hmm. to be leaders and followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not just going to play with them because I want to benefit them. That's not the only reason I play with them. I enjoy doing it as well. There's something about being a parent where you get joy when your kids are happy. Mm -hmm. So I truly enjoy playing with my boys. But in the back of my mind, I also know that the more time I spend with them, the better their life can be. So there's a little motivation there. It's not the driving motivator. It's not the only reason why I do it. It's not like I hate 
playing with my boys, but I just grip my teeth and press on and get over it because one day I'm going to need them to take care of me and put me up <laughs> in a place that's not a nursing home. <laughs> that's not the main reason. But in the back of my mind, I, there's this bonus of like, yeah, they are seeing a dad who loves them and that's going to be good for them too. So for me, this is the way I wrap my mind around eternal rewards if I'm just playing with my boys so that one day they will become well-adjusted citizens and have decent jobs and take care of me, I'm not going to be a very good dad. I'm not going to love playing with them and it's going to eventually come out, right? The, the heart isn't there in the right place. If I just serve God for the rewards, if I turn the entire thing into performance, then I won't last at it for long. But if I do it out of love, the rewards are just a bonus byproduct. Mm -hmm. And that is amazing. It's like getting right. paid a bonus for doing something you already love doing. Right. And let me tell you, that is going to bring joy and comfort and peace, even in the dark times when we do that. So, I mean, does that make sense? Like, oh, I know yeah. I know, rewards are, are so almost ignored because they could be tricky, but like, well, hopefully that makes sense. Well, it's just the goodness of God. How good is God <laughs> that he's given us everything we need? And yeah. then he says, when we give it back and we use it well, he's going to then reward us even more. I mean, it's just, God is so great and awesome and good. And really when we get to heaven, we've, we just we just have to live with a kingdom mindset yeah. when we get there. Yeah, in that parable in Luke nineteen, it it talks about how this king, you know, he has the kingdom and he goes away for a time and then he returns. You can't get any more clear to like where we're at, where we fit in this. Like we've been given a minute, and your minute can be, you know, not just you know your earning wage potential right now, but it's mm -hmm. it's your time, your talents, like it's it's all of those things that you have. Mm -hmm that we can engage in business yeah. until he returns. And I, I just love the multiplication there because like, you, you know, these right. 10 miners or five miners, yeah. this yeah. is just 10 cities, just five cities. Yeah. Your Lord, this is like, this is only 10 miners, you know, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's again a hard issue. It's like, it if is. you're faithful with the little things, you'll be faithful with the big things. Right. God's yes. looking at the heart, right? And, yes. and you know, it's cool too, because I think when you are stewarding well, you're not just, looking over at someone else and what they have and saying, Oh, I want what they have. And I want more. I want, you know, you're just being faithful in the little thing. And I think sometimes Christians, we can, well, as humans, we can swing and we can get mm -hmm. in balance. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes Christians, it's almost like, Oh, you can't have any, any nice things or you're a bad Christian. You know? <laughs> and that's not what we want to it's do not what we're saying, say no. either. You know, it's, you can, God gives you things to enjoy he's just good but Amen. but then look at it as his and 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 be giving and multiply you know so it's just both but you know too much is given much yeah. is also required so yeah. i've heard it said another way as well you know it's good to have things you can enjoy them as long as the things don't have you, you know? right oh, that's good right. <laughs> that's good Thanks so much. This was well done. And I think this is going to be very helpful for everyone to hear. Um, one of the things I want to just leave all of you with is we are coming into the season of Thanksgiving and we're coming into a season where it's the holidays and we're going to be giving gifts. But let's all think about not just, you know, the immediate family members that you're getting gifts for because it's like, you know, you enjoy doing that and you have to, right? <laughs> you're supposed like, to. Yeah. <laughs> like, what, what kind of a family member would you be if you're not giving a gift? But, but even unbelievers do that. Right. 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 
<laughs> so let's just let's just take what we've talked about tonight and just apply it. Like, is there somebody in your church that you see? Maybe maybe they're struggling. Maybe they don't have as much right now. Um, maybe maybe you haven't tithe like you should and you haven't even really started there and it's it's not even a matter of like how much you're giving it's a matter of just where is your heart do you have joy in, in giving um and just the really the challenge is that let's start taking the bible at face value believing it and not holding on to what we have mm-hmm. and letting it have us as steve just said mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's like truly like be stewards Just take so, a step of faith this so i think everyone knows yeah take a step of faith you know where you're at you know i think and i think this is convicting for all of us mm-hmm. to a degree 100 um and we'll just we'll just leave it at that let the holy spirit lead you in, in doing something for his kingdom enjoy doing this as always we'll see you again next week you are loved